0: This is One Hate Minute.
1: Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll.
0: What's your name? Wayne Grove.
1: look like gang bangers, working the local 7-Eleven you?
0: Robbery, homicides, take Give me all you got! This and- Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me a podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Hit Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard. And joining me today for the 160th minute, we are, yes, six minutes away from the end credits of Michael Mann's 1995 crime opus, Heat, is... Well, uh, a person with a, an extremely intimidating resume and a wonderful, uh, uh, just a, a wonderful talent for encapsulating feeling in his writing. Um, He's the film critic for Vanity Fair, a film critic for Vanity Fair rather. He's written in The Ringer, big fan, LA review of books, reverse shot. Crazily, I didn't know this about him because I've only been reading his film reviews and film writing, is that he also writes crosswords for the New Yorker and the New York Times which is I'm sure there are some crossword geeks out there whose faces are going to melt more than anything we ever say about film or heat in this podcast but there's one thing that I have heard about him in the litany of wonderful guests someone said Blake you simply must get this person on the show because they have a wonderful take about the chaste love of Vincent Hanna and Neil McCauley you might know him as Kay Austin Collins, but I welcome Cameron Austin Collins to One Heat Minute. Cam, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you for inviting me. So here we are, 160th minute. Can I firstly ask, before we dive into minutes, before we dive into your um, your take on Heat and beyond, is that true? Do you have a take that I have not been able to find scouring through your writing about these two gents? <laughs>
1: uh, I, I'm sure I've tweeted about this, but I, I won't. I won't. Say that I'm the origin of of this take, but if if what the person who recommended this meant was that I I think that heat is a romance, that's absolutely something that I that is absolutely something that I believe. <laughs> that's part of what I respond to when I watch the movie. I think it's part of what a lot of men, in particular, <laughs> straight gate doesn't matter, sort of see in this movie. It's that it's a, it's a it's a romance in a way, um, but not not in like the not necessarily in the you know boy gets girl etc way but in the in the tie that these two men have between each other i absolutely think that there's something really profound about about what's going on between these two guys as they're trying to kill each other
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 specifically in the minute that we're watching as they're chasing each other the chase is on guns are being fired look let's dive into the 160th minute Uh, folks, we are watching the original theatrical cut of heat. So if you're trying to sync it up, um, the best way I can describe it is if you are right now looking at uh, Vincent Hanna Al Pacino running in front of an airplane hangar just seconds after Neil McCauley is running in front of the airplane hangar, that's exactly where we are. Cam and I are going to watch this along together um, so you guys can refresh where we're up to in the film. And then we're going to come back and we'll talk about this minute, but we'll most definitely then um, dive into everything in this. I absolutely agree. A deeply romantic uh, and, and isn't understanding, and and someone being able to feel so uh, so connected to someone that is alike to them that is a romance in and of itself. And if we haven't covered that in the last 159 episodes of this show and beyond, I don't I don't know what we're going to do. But let's uh, let's dive into that yeah. now. Cam and I are going to watch and listen along, and you guys are going to listen along too. And we'll come back and talk about it. I just want to say one thing before we dive in I don't think Vincent Hanna gets enough credit in this movie and maybe in this show for his tactical prowess like firing a couple of shots at Neil changing the angle running sideways to like draw him out Neil shoots so that he can sort of isolate his position Vincent shoots back some cool stuff there but I still get struck more on a character level on a much deeper level watching this minute from the technical than it's actually one of the first times you see Neil McCauley exacerbated in this movie you know he's he shocked. Totally. He shook, and and Vincent is in like predator mode. It's it's a really it's a really striking minute. Not a lick of dialogue. Just all action, all movement. So great. Totally, and a lot of a lot of sound.
1: Yeah, I um, yeah, this is a really a really interesting minute because, partially because of what's just happened, which yes. is that you know, there, there are two things that we sort of know about Neil and Vincent, but really about Neil. And one is that the the famous line, if the heat's around the corner, he's going to gun it. So, yes. so this is that moment. And this is also the moment that, that, that I think uh, demonstrates something from their meeting in the coffee shop, which is no matter how nice you are, no matter how much I like you, if it comes down to it, it's me or you, I'm going to shoot you. Yes. It's like, it's like, it's, like, two two big, I think, psychological strands in this movie are coming to a head at once. And, and it's this pretty exhilarating... I mean, I think I, I really like that you point out that there's no dialogue. Because, really, at this point, it's like, there's nothing to be said. Like, <laughs> I <don't>, that, that's <laughs> there, what... There's no negotiating. There's no conversation. No. This is down to... We're running through a fucking airport, and I have to fucking kill you. I have to kill you.
0: It, it, I love that there are there are not as many movies who just strip themselves back to the elemental, and I think the, there are movies yeah. that do it, and and they get lauded for it. You know, I think you know it was one thing that really resonated with people with a, um, one of the recent James Bonds in Skyfall. You know, the movie strips yeah, itself sure. away back to the elemental, and and even The Dark Knight, which is you know the greatest. Um, the greatest heat homage that's ever existed um, strips itself back to just Batman and Joker mano y mano. And this like, except for them, it's about a dialogue. It's about the psychology. And so the Joker sort of tormenting Batman that they're going to do this over and over again is kind of the, is the cherry. But here Heat's like, no, we've the philosophy has been set and the, and, and and the, I love what you said, those psychological strands of if I'm, if I see heat, I'm going to book it. I'm around the corner and, and I will kill you. And it's like, well, they've said everything right. that needs to be said. There's no more words that need to be exchanged. Like, let's just do this thing. And so that's why. And the sound, the sound here, we were just talking about you right now in New York. You know, a, perhaps a plane flying over. Um, but the the there's something so wonderfully disorientating about the plane sounds here. You just the white noise totally. makes you like telescopically focus, I feel, on the characters, the movement, everything about it. It's just this wonderful mixture of, like, it, it's so loud that I have to focus on the people. I have to focus on everything they're doing.
1: Totally. And, and it's. I mean, I'm right. The, the planes, re-watching this, I, I realized that I really can't think of a movie before this one or really many since this that made me feel so small as I watch, as I'm watching the size of these planes. I really don't think I had yeah. a clear sense of how huge and loud planes are. And there are there, so many, like, airport, tarmac, chase-type scenes, right? The yes. Mission Impossible, et cetera, et cetera. But this is one of the few, and I think it's because, you know, the music, the, the, the really great Elliot Goldenthal score dials, way back at some point and disappears yes and it's just these this intercut shots of just this man this man taking a shot ducking from a shot taking a shot with huge planes yes. like, sort of <laughs> gliding by this is one of the few times that i think i've ever felt sort of terrified by the sound and the size of yes. those machines and it's so i mean right and it's not even a matter of I'm not worried that someone's going to get run over by a plane like the planes aren't going fast No. it's just that they're so large. This is like a world unto itself, and it's a world that we haven't really gotten to in this movie, which is actually really good you know for all the the drama of the movie it is and I think there have been really great pieces about this. I'm thinking I feel like there was one in a v club or or some somewhere like that about just like this as an l a movie an l a space movie, yes. But this is just like a different space, right? I think before this, we only really hear about the airport not long before this. After the coffee shop, actually, yes. When, when, uh, when Neil and all his guys sort of duck all the surveillance, <laughs> like, yeah, and it becomes just like no man's land, right? But like, other than that, like the airports, like it's it's just not a part of the movie. And then it's suddenly the world of the movie.
0: But also, and it's th- really striking. I think you just st- struck a chord that I hadn't really like rested on before, which is that. The urgency in Vincent is that the last time that Neil slipped through his clutches was sneaking into airspace where his helicopters couldn't follow and that all these other, you know, all the the secret and sacred rules of airports which are now in a post-9-11 world, like you and I can go, this movie would never be shot now, but let's just say even in 95 that there's a lot of, you know, there's a sacred federal space, you know, paramount safety. And so they just shut everything out. It should just be a vacant space for these planes and these things to do what they've got to do. But what's so great is, is like, that's where he slipped in last time. He's like, well, well now there is no way that that's going to happen. And, and you're exactly right. The escape, you know, the other thing I've, we've, we've covered on the show as we've sort of come up to it, which is sort of feeds into that brilliance of that psychological connection between these two guys is that, that, Hannah baits Neil to make this choice so close to the airport. Like he puts Wayne Grow under the name Jameson in the airport Hilton, right. which is like right, right on the border. It's like just when you think you could just go straight to your hangar in your private jet and and your fake manifest and fly out of the fly out of the country or whatever you're gonna do to make this escape, fly to New Zealand. That just one tantalizing chance to restore the order of Neil's brain is like there on the edge of the airport, just waiting.
1: Totally. Which is also just such a huge risk on Vincent's end, right? Because it's like <laughs> yes. it's yeah. like you're you're cutting it really it's fucking close. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> like not to like disappear. But to to you know to your point about actually sort of the the danger of the airports, this is something that I, I hadn't listened to the director's commentary in a while, but I was listening to uh, for this longer scene, this airport chase, and I'd forgotten, and this is something that comes up during the director's commentary for the minute that yes. we're talking about. Yes. Um, Michael Mann mentions that the week that they filmed this at LAX was the week that the Unabomber threatened to bomb LAX. <laughs> yes. Which adds this, like it doesn't add like it's not about what it adds to like the plot of the movie. It's more just like. I mean, it makes you think, right? Like, first of all, like you really, so you really, 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 this is like such an important part of the movie that no matter what, it doesn't matter that Lex is sitting there thinking, we don't actually want anyone Extra. shooting a movie here. Yeah, right we don't now.
0: want anyone like, else on this ground that need doesn't right. isn't essentially here. And you for... want to
1: do what? You want to <laughs> like shoot a movie? Uh, but it's, it's like it's, it's this weird, you know. So your point is, like, airports are such dangerous spaces in themselves and, and 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 of course there's like the obvious sort of symbolism of the planes and the flight that he's going to take but what really sticks with me from this scene is that the space itself is dangerous
0: to me yeah yeah like it's
1: dangerous for both men there are these huge cargo tanks everywhere that they're going to be hiding behind and even before that happens even the first time you're watching it as soon as you see that layout you just know that this' is what it's going to become it's going to become these two men pursuing each other, blind, basically, and not able to hear each other, really. Um, and and the, the conditions and the environment are going to keep changing. The light is going to keep changing. The sound is going to keep changing. It's, it's just a dangerous, a dangerous, dangerous place.
0: And the last, like, the final still of this minute that we we're covering... You're seeing the silhouette of Neil run behind one of those weird, and I'm not sure exactly what they're called, and if you know Kay, I'll, you know, especially I'm thinking because of your background in crosswords, you might know what they're called, but there's huge sort of curved pieces of concrete that are behind the aeroplanes right. that, that are there to either protect what's back and also to help project, you know, their jet stream or whatever to help them propel forward. But you see him through the shimmer. You see him through the heat of planes. So not only is it yeah. a dangerous space and are they dwarfed by these giant metal things that are just flaming and speeding away. It's like he's, going, he's darting through these things that are meant to protect and propel these planes. And he's just having to dart through them. Like everything about totally. the landscape is alien and hostile. And it's so cool. It's just, it's like, it, it's a, it's a genius stroke that you keep going back, especially now we can safely say in this podcast, we've, Exhaustively covered, like a lot of the LA spaces, and and talking about this, but I think this man's not only essaying, you know, a big theme of the movie of the LA as a transient space here, but he's also then going, all right, well, I'm not, I'm not just gonna, I'm not gonna, it's not just gonna be a philosophical or boring, thematic, you know, glib, throwaway. It's actually going to be really deeply dramatic and meaningful for what I'm totally. trying to get across with these two guys in this final confrontation.
1: Totally, and you know, it's. I mean, as confrontations go, part of what stands out to me is that it's it's to my mind automatically not a fair fight. Because as good as Neil is, <laughs> yes he has a handgun and Vincent has a shotgun and 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 that's that. Like yeah. to be honest. Like, <laughs> but but it's but it's also and this this is kind of tied to the, the romance of heat, I think. Like you sort of in a movie that is this interested in like effectively the good guy and the bad guy being so tied to each other and so in a way admiring of each other's skill that's very like that's very samurai to me that's very intimate yes but this scene is not this is a gunfight this is a gunfight in <laughs> yes. an airport right like this is not this is not the sort of this is not the sort of tragic climactic fight in which the intimacy of these two men until until one of them is eventually dead like the intimacy of these two men is not really clear to me from this fight this is sort of it strips away all of that Mm -hmm. and it really becomes like it really becomes this is this guy's last chance to kill a guy i think i think about that a lot and about just like the different guns they have the different styles they have the way that all you need are these quick shots of them looking or thinking to understand that there's this entire tactical process happening that um, these men are both keenly aware of, that as they're shooting at each other, they're taking a lot of care. They're both very good at what they're doing. Um, it's it's an impossible fight in that way. Yeah. But at, at the end, it ultimately comes down to one has a handgun and one has a shotgun. <laughs> like, like And, and it's just like, you know, I remember the first time I saw this movie, I was pretty young, but I just... And, and to a point, I did not think that this would be the kind of movie in which the character like Neil would die, because... I think of this as a movie that is so. I mean, he—you just you kind of love the guy, right? Like you, you absolutely he's like, do. He's a crook, but I want him to escape. I want him to like live the good life, so with, much. Like his, you know, bookstore love flame, um, <laughs> and, and 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 but he's the bad guy, right? Like he—he's yeah. the bad guy. They're both bad and good guys, but but he's the bad guy, and he has to die. Like, that's just the way – that's just the way this movie is going to have to work. But I just – I don't expect that from from the movie, you know, until I – until, again, until I think about the guns.
0: But I think – And you, I'm like, well, it's clear. You just nailed a whole stream of thought that I hadn't really associated with heat, which is that in such – you know, and, and particularly in samurai movies is the intimacy of the hero and villain is – it's like an alien landscape for the whole movie usually or it's just they're completely disassociated. One is good, one is bad, that is it. And then right. when those samurai get together, the intimacy of them literally colliding and being close to one another and the breath and the craziness and I think in movies even like Rob Roy and things like that. Um, totally. th- there's that battle, that intimacy is that final you know, conflicting ambivalent thing where these two guys are facing off against one, each- one another mano a mano. But in Heat, even in this entire scene, especially in this entire scene that we're going, is like we're so focused and the movie does such a wonderful job of like aligning you two and 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 you empathizing with whoever you're seeing on screen out of these two at any given time. And so right now this is the closest. This is the entanglement, but they make no bones about a gunfight is a gunfight. Like right. the, the, we are going to want it, both of them to get the advantage, but they've already... You know they've already m- written the rules of what was going to happen. One of them's going to die. Totally. And so we're not going to we're not going to faff about, have them roll around on the ground. We're seeing that like what what could be more? And I think you you nailed it too. It's like what could be more grand than already them having conversation? You know, in the middle of the movie. If totally. a, this has got a huge bank heist, an airport chase, arm armoured car robberies. There's probably nothing bigger, more monumental than two guys talking about their dreams over coffee. <laughs> like, totally
1: <laughs> totally and and just the sense that just the sense of of a foe that you admire yes but it's it's it, you're not foes because it's personal no like it's, it's not it's it's not right it's not about some personal agenda between the two of you you're foes because one of you is a cop and one of you is crook <laughs> like, yes. but but like on a human like level between these two men there is this and i think this is just yeah this is one of the reasons i really care about and love relationship because that's what it is to me (laughs) is is that like it there there is this sense of you know just all those all those scenes of just vincent just having to stop and admire how smart this guy is how careful this guy is and the, the the importance of of you know there's a line that we're going to draw, and that line is killing people for no reason. Yes. That I, you know, I want money, and I want to escape, and I want to go to like the jungle and die there and never hear from any of you fuckers again, <laughs> and, like be over this life. <laughs> but what we're not going to do in this, what we're not going to do as a crook, is we're not going to like needlessly hurt people. We're just going to steal money. We're not in it to kill like kids. We're not in it to like yes. cause a huge ruckus. When those things happen, those are those are severe errors that are really beyond Neil's control, except for the fact that he's the crook and he's the guy who's in charge. Yes. But but ultimately, like, these are two guys who, like, right? These are, like, two guys with intimacy issues <laughs> whose intimacy is poured, whose sense of intimacy is poured into each other in a really weird way, right? Like, which is why, like, the things that, the things that I always thought were sort of flawed about the movie are, I think, still important, like... Natalie Portman trying to kill herself, not my favorite thing. In no. This movie. No. But like as as a thing happening in the background to what is ultimately this this conflict, this intimate conflict between these two men who don't quite know how to express that intimacy until it gets as drastic as natalie portman trying to kill herself like who otherwise are only good in a situation like this yes who can't even be spoken to by a stranger without being like why are you wondering what kind of book are-? Like, <laughs> yes. like, like 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 people who are like who do not jive with regular social norms yes their intimacy comes out in moments like this their intimacy comes out in the fact that they understand that this is how this is going to have to happen that they understand that this is the deal one of them's gonna have to die but when one of them dies it's still not it's it's not it's not against him you know no. <laughs> like A- just, something about that is just so profound to me weirdly um because because it, i'm just i'm not interested in bad bad guys always i mean i love no. that but like <clears throat> this is so much more interesting than that to me, to me.
0: yeah i think um you know these two guys so so firstly uh, one thing I'd recommend if this is your first episode I just of One He Minute welcome you have a significant amount of hours to catch up on firstly <laughs> if this is your first episode <laughs> but thank you for listening the Natalie Portman minutes um, uh, I, I always want to quickly come back to while I can is um, I I I was lucky enough to have on the show um, a, a lady in, in Australia called Sarah Bartlett. The minutes are 143 and 144. The episodes go Sarah Bartlett, who is actually a project lead for suicide prevention. Um, mm. So um, we came on and discussed depictions of suicide in cinema and talked about it from a, you know, putting a 2019 lens on it. So I, I just really want to recommend folks to go back and have a listen to that episode if you if, if you want to sort of get a take on um, a, a professional in the field uh, uh, in the portrayal, but the following minute, Jedediah Ayres, who's a wonderful crime author, and I talked about. You know, he he asked me a question, and I think it's it's all tied into what you're talking about, Cam, which is, into 2019, we forget. You know, I, I think a lot of people forget that you can get information about anything at the in the palm totally. of your hand at any time of the day. And I think the Lauren thing, which ties into this, um, which, you know, if I I ever do get to speak to Michael Mann on the show, I'd be deeply, you know, interested is Jededi asked something which I think broke my heart when he asked it, which is in 1995, where does Lauren even learn about how to attempt suicide? Maybe maybe she sat in the back of a car. And Vincent has had a conversation with Bosco, Ted Levine, and is talking about something. And he doesn't realize that she's paying attention to every single word that he's saying. And she learns how to do that as a cry for help. And so, you know, I think those two episodes, one forty-three and forty-four, I won't uh, take too much more of our time in this minute to talk about them. But I think it'd be if, for anyone who, if this is your first episode, particularly, go back and have a listen to those because I think that they partner very much with what we're talking about here, which is like the narrative significance of. You know, maybe this girl has heard, uh, overheard in 1995 where to do this from her stepdad, and then has done exactly the thing that he fears most um, to try and get right. him to connect with humanity again. But again, as you said, the intimacy is just these two guys; these two guys on this airfield is the most intimate they've ever going to be. And I think in the commentary totally. and and to flip back to this minute. Michael Mann in the commentary actually talks about this in this minute about these two guys as more connected with who they are as individuals than anyone else in the world, in in their little universe. And I think in this moment, it's like... I think that's the allure of the gangster film, right? Nothing's personal. It's only business. I think even Al Pacino in The Godfather Part 2 says that line probably six times. You know, there's, you know nothing personal. Totally. It's only business. And so totally. I, we love that. And these two guys living that life, it's like there's a poetry in that.
1: Totally. You know, I mean, so I have an interesting – part of my insight into this comes from – you're going to laugh, but so <laughs> I, have, I have two cats.
0: Please tell me that name, Vincent and Neil. Please tell me (laughs) that (laughs) name.
1: Their names names are Tarzan and Jane, even better. Um, I have two cats, and I recently, you know, one of the things that you do as a cat owner, you're supposed to do is in the way that you have dogs, you're supposed to play frisbee. With your cats, you're supposed to play games with them, you're supposed to keep them alert. And I was recently just looking into this because, you know, I was traveling, one of my roommates was traveling, and I was just thinking, like, what's going to happen to my cats if they don't get to play hunt? yes it's just to get really bored but because when when they're hunting they're at their most relaxed yes like a way to get your cat to be relaxed is actually to get them crazed hunting something which is a thing that I only learned recently but a very clarifying thing about wow. certain personalities for me yes it's just that like in the way that like for me drinking wine and like you know watching a movie is like where I'm at my most relaxed literally doing nothing being very sedentary but i'm starting to i'm starting to empathize more and understand more personalities for whom the opposite is is them at rest like guys yes. like the guys in this movie are really you know like that that thing a uh, thing that's come up for me in therapy like when you you know when you're in a flow state like when you're reading a book and time passes by and you don't even realize it yes. like that is what to me is happening to these guys in this moment they're like in a flow state they are they are extremely alert and this is part of what's so interesting to me about the the, the aesthetic design of this, like the emphasis on sound, the emphasis on, on largeness yes. and, and the sort of abstractness of it all, is that like this is, it's just like this cocoon of experience at the end of this movie, this, this airport chase, this, uh, yeah, on the tarmac. And, and it's creating this world in which they can just sort of be in the moment, in this space, focused on nothing else but trying to hunt each other. Yeah. It's, it's just like it's something something about understanding that like for uh, for for an expert for someone of this skill for someone who for, for Neil for example someone who has managed to be this good for this long has never had any sort of police trouble except for like when he was in jail I guess yes. but like other than that like like this is this is him in his prime and and that to me is something that the movie never has to say but the performances and moments like this like Robert De Niro how sleek he gets how it stops being about a, a deeply charismatic deeply charismatic actor an actor whose face you always want to watch right but i stop watching his face and i start just thinking about him as a body like trying to survive in this space because it because he's so like slicked back he's so focused there's nothing else to really focus on but them trying to survive each other and that's just really like without without needing to ever say or instruct me in these things. It's something with this movie. I keep coming back to it because I keep understanding more and more both these two men and the choices that Michael Mann is making to make them make sense to us and to and to make them sort of psychologically complex without without a screenplay that necessarily does a lot of t- talking about that complexity. Yeah. It's really fascinating to
0: me. It's uh... I totally agree because again, you think about the showcases of the movie, and it's literally a two shot at a table. You know, I, I totally. think some people. Uh, I've since learned that it's called a Montana, like a three button shot of of you know a, Mon- a Montana shot of a, a three button from the chest up, um, a face huh. shot of these two guys, and their faces are writ large. Like the every crevice, every gesture, every purse lip, every side glance is it's you know it's a, it's a performance. You know, if you're a performance theorist or a critical theorist, and you're studying film, like that's a scene that you could unpack every microsecond to just like feed into people's faces. And here, it's all about bodies. It's about bodies and movement and instincts. And there's a there's a couple of other, you know, I don't want to sort of tread on other minutes, but there's a couple of moments in the in the forthcoming minutes that follow what our minute is. It shows how deeply psychological, and what you were talking about, like that flow state of how they're preempting, um, they're preempting how good each other are in different moments. So they're totally. like they're hiding behind something, and there's a couple of moments where Neil, like, he he, he jumps out, expecting Vincent's going to be right there, and similarly, Vincent does a moment where he like psychs himself up and and and. like pumps his shoulders and then jumps out again and expects Neil to be right there. Like they literally expect their shadow to be there. And I just, in this scene too, it's, you know, he looks, he sees a shadow with Vincent, he takes a shot, Vincent's setting him up, Vincent shoots back. It's, uh, it's so nice in, after a movie that is so reliant on like the melodrama of conversations and the psychology of characters that like it's, it's so earns its own groundwork. Like it's done the groundwork with that and we don't need any more words We've got, we've got all the scenes, we've got the rules, and now it's just like, let's just express everything physically, and it gets to like a much more purely cinematic mode.
1: Absolutely. I mean, to your point about that, that coffee shop scene, it's actually making me think about uh, how this scene is also, in many ways, just a shot, reverse shot, like, yes, this guy and that guy sort of structure, and I was trying to think of if there were other moments in the movie like that, and the, the only one I could think of is in the... Uh, the shipyard, like the, the scene where, where Neil tricks tricks the cops into sort <laughs> yes. of revealing who they all are in that scene. You want to
0: know what they're looking at? That's a great scene. Yeah. It's a, it's I, I really, a fucking I great really, scene. I have to sorry to swear, but it's a fucking great scene. I, I love I, that scene. I really love that scene. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, love I remember it. even
1: seeing that scene as a kid, and this the sort of pleasure of that scene for me is uh. still always like that I would never have put that together. No. <laughs> like, no. I would never... I would oh. never have put that together, but I, I love, I love the structure of the scene such that you still don't know what the fuck he's talking about until he says, <laughs> until he says, "Look, they're looking at us." It's like, it's like, there's there's a good gag there of just like time spent of him being like, "Holy shit, this is amazing!" For like a minute. I mean, is this guy like, good? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but but, but, it, but it's it's it, it, it's so wonderful because all the you know you think of all the great acts. He's got Ted Levine. He's got Michael right. T. Williamson. Uh, Wes right. Studi. Like these are monsters, like monster actors who are all there totally. and they're having to play dumbfounded, all three of them, right. are just sort of wandering. And, um, and uh, the other guy, his name escapes me, sorry, uh, who plays Schwartz just behind them, just like sort of like, oh. And Ted Levine chewing scenery, even as a side character, like that's what we're trying to totally. find out, you know, just like trying to like, totally. <laughs> figure it out. I just love that. And then he's like, you know what, like, oh, is this guy good or is this guy good? And it's just—it's uh, wonderful. I could watch that every day. That's like a—it's a—that scene totally. is like Murray Kondo sparking joy almost yeah, more than totally. anything.
1: Totally and totally clinched in, in the shot of Neil smiling as uh, he hits that they get it. Yes. <laughs> so like, but but you know like and like I part of the reason I think that scene is so interesting and so fun and important to like the end is because, um, partially again because of, of just seeing them figure out each other out is is the movie. You're really, seeing yeah. Vincent sort of figure Neil out is the movie. Yes. But this scene, it's just like, does not have, this end scene just does not have time for that. It's, no. it's really just like, okay, everything you've learned is here, so like, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, so put it to the fucking test. But, but even then, there's just no way of knowing. And this is why I think it's so important to be convinced, as convinced as we always are, of how good Neil is. There's still no way of knowing that like Vincent's gonna get this guy. Yes. Even, even, if, even if like me, you think that's sort of what the logic of the movie has to have happen. It's just it's not a movie about like an outright outlaw to me. This is a movie about a guy who wants something and is not gonna get it. But and, but Vince Vincent's gonna get what he wants.
0: Yeah, and, and I think it's just in the posture, right? Like in the posture we finally start to see a little bit of that inevitability. Like that there is an yes. order. Like if we if you're a real film geek, you're a cinephile and you and you sort of sometimes can't disassociate yourself from like what you know is the narrative order or what should happen you know and you right. can and you and you lose that suspension of disbelief just to be in the movie you can totally go oh well this is going to happen and sometimes you can get a little bit totally. cynical about it but i think what's wonderful is even in the we've talked about you know echoes from the previous minutes and in the conversation but even in the in the exact minute preceding this we are even more on neil's tragic side um You know, similar to Chris Sheehanless, who's just been cut loose by Ashley Judd. You know, he's driving away. He looks like a just a he just looks like a a a, a vacant space. Like his body is empty. He he's devastated. And so, in that moment, we see Neil not only make the choice in the previous minute, but we see the fallout. We see Edie get up and realize, like, what have I done with my life to get here? And so that tragedy is weighing on us in this minute, too. Like, it's deeply weighing on us. And that's why we kind of, despite like the literally murderous consequences of Neil trying to restore order um, or, or, or like, you know, tip the balance of uh, scales of, of justice in his mind um, uh, anyway to, to get things happening, there's, you still go, God, he's now lost Edie. He's now lost his whole right. crew. He's now restored order, but for what? And so right. you even have this feeling. I, I don't know if that's the same as you can, but I have this feeling like God. I, this is why you, you're so pro, you want to propel him. You're like get out of there. Like get to this hangar. Right. Get right. to this airport. Make this poignant, the plane flying away moment. Um, right. Uh, you know s- right. some movies end. You know there's um, an absolutely wonderful Australian movie called Goldstone. It was one of my favorites of the year when it was out here and it's a a sequel to a film called Mystery Road I'm not sure if you've heard of it or if you've seen it but there's a moment where in Goldstone where you know the hero character is in pursuit and conversely you kind of know that he's got no hope but you're still willing him to it as well and so you you know with Neil here you're like you still want the escape and you don't think that our hero in that movie is going to stop the escape and then the outcome is the more rewarding because you're like right it it kind of reinforces what you felt but also flips your expectations of what was going to happen right it's so great
1: yeah absolutely i uh, man now i have to i i i like this long last segment for this but (laughs) i sort of need to rewatch the movie um because i well for one thing and this sort of gets to something we were talking about earlier about it being a romance i think i mean i i should say i think that every michael mann movie is a romance Agree. in a way Agree. i mean i mean i mean I, I know you know that's not even like to me it's not a remotely obscure thing it's 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 right there on the surface and um part of what i guess part of what i love about this ending and about the movie generally is also just that like michael mann is romantic about crafts like mm. i mean and to 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 uh you know Everyone is. Everyone who follows his work has heard that he is not the nicest guy to work with. He, he can be very, be can be very tough because he's very demanding. He's very exacting, and you do sort of see the results of that in his movies because they are so consummately designed. Yes. Um. But but there there to me is also just the sense of you know that this movie is showing us also what what a movie can do like what a drama can do yes the drama of a crime thriller like the and drama not even just as the human element but also just the like the drama of movie making the drama of of a scene like this which is so dependent upon just the rhythm of the cutting the way it sort of speeds up when they start shooting at each other and slows down when they're running across those wide shots you know under the planes the way that something like that can interact with you the viewer and inform you and move you without you necessarily understanding why or even even the basic fact of having no dialogue and what that does to an audience. And this is I just I always watch his movies and I think a lot about how much he's thinking about about craft and shape and I'm gonna get these plane sounds right and I want it I want it to drown everything else. I want it to be scary. Yes. I want the light from the plane to sort of inhale Neil in a certain way. You know like it's 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 all very, it's, it's just, it, it's. I guess it's, you know, in a, in a moment of feeling like blockbusters at the moment aren't always about a director being awake behind the camera, but more about an apparatus being awake behind the camera. I just very much admire and and kind of miss when a blockbuster, a popcorn movie, a movie that is not, you know... This is not Godard. This is not you know. Like, this, is, this is like an this is an action movie. This is an action thriller. Yes. But but it, it is so smartly designed. This scene is so smartly designed. I am so just in awe and in love with just particular shots. Even in this minute, I think this is a really good minute. Actually, like the moment the moment for the shooting really 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 pops off. Yes. And they're just running.
0: It's just so. You know, like it's just like you
1: feel like they're running, your heart's running, like it just it just does something
0: to and, you. And also the space, you know, it's so weird that you say it. It's like you're both charged up and your heart is fluttering when guns are popping off because the editing speeds that up and makes you sort of like gives you that cardiac arrest almost, like zip right. he go. But also taking the time to uh, to sit and be very languid with a long cut to emphasize that how big the space is and how vacant yeah. the space is and also how alone they are with each other. You know, it feeds totally. into feeds into the romance. I, you you said romance and I agree. I, I think movies are meant to be romantic. They're meant to be enhanced. They're meant to be they're meant to like take ideas and, and make us enraptured with them, even if it's just because of their the scale or, or or you know you know tweaking the drama to be like melodramatic but i think that man like loves the melodrama of movie making but he's also a slavishly obsessive authentic um, uh, you know a slavishly obsessive and authentic, uh, about authenticity in everything so when you when you fuse those two things together you get michael mann movies And so, like, and whereas others, like you said, the apparatus or there's like the structure and, you know, and we talk about them in the biggest, in the biggest possible scales. Like, I think in some ways that apparatus is almost like when you watch old Warner Brothers cartoons, like in the Chuck Jones era, where they just recycle backgrounds, you know, it's like the, the, the the background looks the same. The CGI looks the same. The mess looks the same. And it's only when you see you know some of some how differently some of those scenes and sequences and approaches can change when you you actually allow a voice in there you know your Kuglers and your ytt's and things like that where you go right. oh wow There's, there there can right. be a voice in the apparatus there can be a, a there can be a visionary in there somewhere that purely or, or you know the author romance that we have as well
1: totally i mean and you know you raise the point of someone like kugler again like black panther two guys like yes two guys who i mean i think black panther is actually less less of a romance in terms of the relationship between these two guys but it is a romance in the sense of to me romance is predicated on two people who are meant to meet they're meant for each other in meant some way that, like yep. that that to me is, is is fundamental to to the way that, that relationship works and and that's just a structure that always when people are on opposing sides that always i mean this is age old it just always interests me to see how opposites need each other. To the extent that I would even call Neil and Vincent opposites, I actually think that, this is another thing about the movie that I really like, I actually think they're kind of the same guy. Yes. But like, But like one of them did get married multiple times and is sick of it, and the other one knew better, knew to wait until his career was over to want to do that, and is sort of looking toward that. But like in terms of morality, et cetera, et cetera, these guys are the same guy. They're like two halves of the same guy, yes. at different snapshots in his life, And Neil is just never going to get to be a Vincent. Because
0: because Neil's programming is he'll restore order by killing someone. And Vincent just doesn't have that button. And so they're like the same guy. And so this really drastic moral like line but right. but it's so then funny to watch how we retrofit these guys doing the same sorts of things, preempting the same way, having the same right. failed relationships or choosing not to even pursue the relationship because they know right. that it's going to be a failure. But it's this one line that's like pretty much identical to this point. You'll kill someone? Right. I won't. I just never will. But I'll kill you if it means saving other people.
1: Right. They, I mean, they both right. They both have a sense of what's just. Yes. And they, and they, and they, and they, and they adhere to that. It just one of them is like, yeah, but like, I also want to steal money. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, uh, yes. Like and have my crew. But but I it's but even just like the family structures. I, I so love. Yes. That moment when when Neil is out with all the guys and they're all out with their wives and Neil doesn't have anyone. But right. and you very much sense that isolation. But you also sense that, like, he does feel like he's part of, you know, this is his family. Yes. And the way that, like, all the cops with suits that are always hanging around Vincent, like, you know, like, there's so much a part of the image of him. If he's there, you think of them there with him. And it doesn't matter. Like, those actors, no matter what else they do, I'm always going to see them as LAPD officers in suits standing around, <laughs> like, standing around <laughs> Al Pacino while he says weird things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, but but they are right they both belong to these like these male clusters of people who are all experts at what they do but right one of them i, mean, I mean, they both should stay single for the same reasons because they are both deeply isolated deeply man.
0: isolated and obsessive like and obs- obsessive, obsessive to an uh, incredible to a boss. length yes
1: right obsessive to an incredible length i mean the fact that neil has to stop at that hotel and kill that guy it to me is the same impulse as Vincent needing to catch Neil, even though he knows that once Neil leaves, it's over. Right, the yes. crimes that he's pursuing, like, are done once Neil leaves. He's not going to have to think about Neil again, but he has to get, he has to get Neil.
0: Yes, he has, he to, he get has to get Neil. Has to.
1: Yeah, he just ha- he has to get the guy, and it pays off for one of the and It doesn't pay off for the other. <laughs> but but it's it's like back to back these same impulses. Like they both show up at that hotel for the same reason. They're looking to kill a different guy, but like. Yep. it's because they have to get the guy they, they just have to they don't know why it's not about why it's just about that impulse
0: and I think that that is the not to step on the final minute but that is the overwhelming gut punch tragedy that ends the movie is that these right. two guys get to this moment and the connection like the connection just as they're on the like especially on kneels on the precipice of death they right. become so much more connected. It's like, right. uh, and and Neil's, and the tragedy of it, and I, I won't spoil too much because obviously I deeply want to talk about it, but like, I told you I was never going back. Right. Vincent can only say yeah. Because Vincent probably has a mantra all of his own that is yeah. as in that moment fleeting. It's like, you mean that for we did all this for that? You right. did all this for your weird sense of freedom, <laughs> you know. Like, ben, and, right, and I mean, in order to
1: even be in this scene, Vincent has to leave. Yes, you know the daughter just, who
0: tried to kill her. Yeah, leave, leave <laughs> Justine, who's medic poor, poor um, a Diane Venora, like who's medicated, who's devastated, right. who's like completely right. deflated after their relationship has just collapsed. Lauren is like in in surgery and recovery, waking up. She's done this cry for help to get his attention and he leaves her. He leaves her at the hospital <laughs> to, like, right. to do this. Right. Because
1: he, I mean, but also because I ultimately, I mean, part of his relationship to her, which I, I've spent too much time thinking about just because I, it's just always a part of the movie. That's just odd to me. Not, mm. not bad, but just strange mm. is, I mean, certainly part of what he must be thinking is, you know, like she has a biological dad.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> she has a, she has a dad i'm I'm her dad, but I'm not her dad, and I feel for her because this dad is not showing up, but he should be showing up because I can't be her dad, dad because i'm off you know i'm hunting hunting crooks and and, and not really trying to like sustain a family that i that I married my way into yeah like that i I can't be depended on to be that guy i you know like I think he feels both responsible. And not, I always wonder like if 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 she were his biological daughter, first of all, if she were his biological daughter, he would not be in that marriage still no i it's it's easy you know like if he would just would not have stayed in a, a marriage long enough for her to have grown as old as she is, frankly <laughs> like yes but 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 her father deserted her in the way that he's kind of deserting her in the way that he would desert her if he were her father. It's just like very sad to me and and you're right, like. For that to, for the end to basically just be like killing Neil because of things that he's done or been involved in, but not because of things that he's going to do, because he's not going to do anything else within the purview of the LAPD at least. Um, it's just like, is it really? You know, like, is that worth it? Like, is it? Is it really? It, you know, it, it? it's just—it's very sad. <laughs> it's really sad.
0: <laughs> well, I think in that swelling moment of sadness that we ask, is it worth it? After 160 minutes of Michael Mann's 1995 Crime Opus heat and about 130 hours of talking about it so far, I just want to say this is the perfect way to end this minute and this discussion with the awesome Cameron Austin Collins, Chaos austin Collins, at Melville Maddock on Twitter. Cam, thank you so much for being a part of the show. This has been a ripping chat. I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, this
1: has been great. Thank you.
0: Guys, you can go to Vanity Fair. You can find Cam's articles there. There's a, a, a really beautiful um, uh, memorial of John Singleton recently that is uh, that is one of my faves. Um, has a, I'll see if I can bring the line up. There's just a, a wonderful line in there that talks about. Uh, I'm just waiting for it to come up. Singleton mourned us as he moved us. He educated us. Uh, he educated with a firm but invisible hand. During a heated argument in poetic justice, one character calls another bitch, to which she replies, "If I'm a bitch, your mama's a bitch, bitch." And fight breaks up over alcoholism, domestic violence, self-love, self-hatred—just some beautiful stuff um, about his amazing work. So I'm I'm honoured that you're on the show, and thank you for talking about the the romance, the meant for each other nature of Vincent and Neil. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Garth Franklin. Thank you for our web design, Mr. Paul Davies. Thank you for our awesome theme song. And guys. We're going to catch you on another episode of One Heat Minute, just around the corner of this alien airport landscape, and we're getting closer and closer to asking, is it worth it?